Hello, friends. This will be a more unique episode. I'm going to share with you my talk I recently gave at York University here in Toronto about the three skills I wish I learned in school. Welcome to Open Minds. It's the podcast that attempts to explore with genuine curiosity the world's most intriguing issues. Some topics include climate change, gun control, basic income, and so much more. I invite guests on who are both proponents and detractors of these issues so that we can be exposed to more nuanced perspectives we may not be hearing. You can find me at openmindspodcast.com or anywhere you stream music. I'm your host, Christopher Balkrin, and welcome to Open Minds. I still remember my university days so fondly. You know, we learned a lot about critical thinking taking an issue and dissecting it by looking at not only different perspectives, but critically analyzing the research that we're given and seeing the merits of that research and some of the challenges and limitations with it and formulating conclusions. I think these skills are so important for young people to build, but there were still skills that I didn't learn in university that looking back, I wish I did, or at least I wish it complemented my university experience. These were emotional intelligence, active listening, and precision with words. York University's Students Association of Public Policy invited me out to their Left Meets Right event. This, for those who have been subscribed to my podcast for a long time, know that I've done this uh, same event year on year since 2019, I believe. It's been wonderful. In fact, the last one I did was online over Zoom, and this one would be in person. So I was really looking forward to this. For those that don't know, Left Meets Right is an event where the Students Association literally breaks students out into groups, and they share with them a list of hot button topics, and they just have an open conversation about it. It doesn't get heated. It actually encourages students to have an open dialogue. And it's really interesting to see some of the topics that the students raised. So I was invited as a keynote speaker, and I really enjoyed talking to the students about these issues. I'm going to share with you my entire speech. It's not long. It's about 16 minutes. I hope you enjoy this. Let me know what you think by hitting me up at Christopher at OpenMindsPodcast.com. Check me out at OpenMindsPodcast.com. I'll post this on my website as well. Let me know what you think and if you agree with what I wish I learned in university. You know, when I was in university, they told us all the time, uh, professors and teachers, teachers would always tell us, Christopher, your generation is the most educated generation, most educated than any other generation before. No one was graduating in higher rates. There were more women on campus. There were more people of color on campus. There were more indigenous and black students than ever before. And we all loved it. We all kind of really leaned into that, the idea of being fully the most educated. But I realized on campus and I realized talking to my friends and colleagues that Education, it can only go so far. Education is just one of the tools that you need to navigate the most challenging topics in the world. You see, universities are really good at helping you critically think. Here's an example. I'll tell you that in the United States, we see disparities between white and black students when it comes not only to admissions, but also in terms of university completion. We know that. But saying that alone is not critical thinking. Critical thinking is doing a multiple varied analysis. Uh, Which black students, male or female, rural or urban, low income or middle income, middle income or high income, and what do we mean by black? That's a multivariate analysis because we do know that there are 
various statistics that show, yes, that there are disparities, but it's in specific fields. And that's great for universities to teach us critical thinking. But critical thinking is not enough. We need to go deeper. And the more I thought about it, the more I heard my friends talk about these interesting statistics, I realized that there were three key skills that they were not using in their analysis. Those were emotional intelligence, being an active listener, and being precise with your words. And the more and more I heard people talk about things like affirmative action and climate change and gun control and basic income and abortion, I realized there were fewer and fewer voices dominating the spaces and less and less of them were showcasing these three skills. You see, we can use statistics all day to prove points, and that's great. But without emotional intelligence, active listening, and precision in words, our words fall flat. We can read the research all we want, but those three skills are so important. And I'll tell you why. I started the Open Minds podcast to explore exactly this, the biggest issues of our time, but going beneath the surface of what we're seeing and learning in the research. And it was amazing to see what I was able to uncover. So as you go through the sessions today, I want to leave you with these three skills. So what is emotional intelligence? Emotional intelligence is three key sub-bullets underneath it. Self-regulation, self-understanding, and cognitive and empathetic concern. Self-regulation. If I were to tell you about capital punishment, I'm sure very strong emotions might come up or abortion, or gun violence, or climate change, or basic income. Strong emotions come up. Strong emotions that are so unique to yourself and not unique to others. And because they're unique to yourself, understanding how you can self-regulate and self be more self-aware of what you're feeling is so incredibly important to navigating these issues. I can't control that. No one in this room can. So understanding, if I tell you, hey, what is your opinion on abortion? And that flares up deep emotions inside of you, that's okay, that's fine, that's totally okay. But it's a public policy discussion that we have to lean into. We can't lean away from, the uncomfortable is here to stay. And so self-regulation means understanding, writing down, this is what I do all the time, I write down what I'm feeling when something comes up that's kind of a bit of a challenge for me to think clearly about. Self-regulation is the first. Self-awareness, being aware of what you're feeling. And the reason why these are so important is because when you turn on the news and you hear the pundits talk about these issues, you can see immediately that they haven't done their emotional intelligence uh, questionnaire because their emotions are all over the map. They ask very inflammatory questions because they want emotions to get views. Trust me, I know the whole social media, YouTube algorithm, they're all about views and getting clicks and all that, and I respect the hustle to an extent, but to actually develop clear public policy, we need to understand what's triggering us inside ourselves. Because again, what your emotions are are unique to you, they're not unique to others. So while others may have a quote-unquote rational conversation about abortion, maybe it affects you differently. And it's okay, write those down. Hi. Uh, write those down and make sure that you're aware. The third associated with emotional intelligence is empathic concern. So a lot of people say build empathy, and empathy is a great 
tool to have, but empathy can actually lead you down a dark path as well. Because empathy by itself means that you're there with the individual and you're feeling alongside the individual. That's not necessarily what you probably want to do. You want to have empathic concern. So you want to understand where people are coming from up to a point and then continue the conversation. Make sure that their voices are being heard. So empathic concern. I know that's really challenging to wrap your minds around. Trust me, the more I read about it, I was like, what is empathic concern? It is actually moving past empathy and being with the person, but not allowing their emotions guide your emotions, right? That's very important. And again, we see this all the time when we talk to talk about these very inflammatory issues like abortion, capital punishment. I keep saying those things because I've been serious on them, but there's many more issues on my podcast like climate change and basic income, which are much more, uh, they're less, less uh, adversarial. Um, the second point is active listening. So I wish I built this skill in university. I wish I built this skill last year. Active listening doesn't mean just listening more to people. It's listening to the inflection points that they use, the pauses that they use. You know, you can really, really tell, tell what's important with someone just by the, the tone, the tonality, the facial expressions that they use. You know, this, when COVID-19 hit and everything moved online, we, we lost a lot of that. We lost a lot of the in-person meetings. And there's something, there's the je ne sais quoi about in-person meetings, the understanding of facial expressions and tonality that can't be replicated on Zoom or Teams. And the reason why is because you can't maintain eye contact on Zoom or Teams. You're usually looking in a screen and the webcam's above you. The webcam should be directly at you inside the screen. They should develop a monitor like that. But the point of active listening is that you're listening to the tonalities and the inflection points in a person. Why is this so important? Why is it so important to actively listen? Because our brains are not good at thinking 100% of the time. It's just, our brains are just not built that way. It's really hard for us to stay concentrated. And the reason why is because our brains are always looking for the least path of resistance. They're trying to build, our brains are trying to build patterns. And once a pattern is established, it eases off the gas pedal. It's kind of like, think, think of it like a sports car. You know, you go up to sixth gear, and then once it realizes its surroundings, it kind of eases back fifth, fourth, and third. That's our brain. It's always looking for patterns. That's why stereotypes and discrimination and racism still exist today. You know, you can't really un, you can't really teach someone to be anti-discriminatory. Discrimination happens. It just happens. And it's because our brains are constantly looking for patterns. And when we're angry, tired, and frustrated, that's when discrimination and racism peak. There's tons of research on this and it's wild to think about, but we can all relate. When we're hungry, angry, or tired, if anyone's been to a therapist, they'll probably tell you, don't have that conversation with your partner. It's just the reality. Your brain is just tired. It's tired of doing cognition and it wants rest. So the same is true when it comes to active listening. Active listening is so hard because our brains are not built to listen actively for an extended period of time. So an activity you can do, and I would strongly suggest doing this on your own time, or maybe uh, during school or something. No, not during school, but on your own time, here's an idea. Go on YouTube, go on social media, listen to a podcast by someone you don't agree with. Might be me, might be someone else. And listen to the words in which they're using. Listen actively to what they're saying. See how hard that is to do. That's exceptionally hard. But 
the more you do it, the better you'll get at it. Here's the beauty about all of this. The beauty is that you can actually create new neural pathways in your mind so that you're constantly not reacting. I left university not knowing any of this, <laughs> and I wish I knew it. Um, but if you can do this, you will actually train new neural pathways. Our brains are great at doing that. They're plastic. They can be molded in that way. And the third skill I want to leave you all with, I'm probably running out of time, Melina, but uh, the third skill I want to leave you with is precision in words. Precision in words is so incredibly important today. It's never been more important than today to be precise in your words. Um, and the reason, of course, is because words hold weight and they hold a lot of meaning. And one thing I wish I did in university was have a dictionary beside me because people misuse words a lot, a lot. And that has rippling effects. So back to my example of going on YouTube and listening to someone you really don't like. If you listen to the words that they use, either they're using more simplistic words to describe it because they know if they get called out on it, they might actually fumble over the words that they're saying. Or they're using words incorrectly. Again, this challenges your brain a lot. It's not good at actively listening for 100% of the time and it's not good at being precise in words. Here's another example. So I used an example at the beginning about um, uh, the disparities, disparities between white and black students in the United States, specifically on admissions, but also we see this in the STEM fields. We see more black males in university college, universities and colleges throughout uh, the United States. They drop out at a higher rate after the first year compared to white students. Um, we see this across many colleges and universities in the United States. Now, some researchers will say that this is a, this is an example of white supremacy that there's some racism in either the admissions or there's racism in how, or we're not, we're not providing the proper supports for black students across universities and colleges, specifically in the STEM field and specifically to black male students. Um, that all can be true. But when we start saying words like racism and white supremacy and phrases like white supremacy, it needs to be backed up with clear research and clear facts. Because to white supremacy, that word racism, that word, it's not necessarily, you know, it's one of those things you know when you see it. But when we start using those words and we're not precise in our language and we don't have the research to back it up, it becomes harder. And this is a clear example of our brains making patterns. But it's harder for us to dig deeper and figure out what exactly is happening at the root. That's why I created Open Minds. Is it in fact white supremacy and racism happening across colleges and universities? Or is there a deeper underlying issue that's affecting specifically young black men from dropping out of STEM, STEM uh, majors? And why is that happening? These are the really important public policy questions we need to start talking about because you all here are the next public policy leaders. You're the next advisors to the, pre the prime ministers and the premiers. And if we don't have our facts right, if we're not able to emotionally identify our trigger points, if we're not actively listening, if we're not being precise in our words, that's going to reflect all the way up the chain into what our premiers and prime ministers, I keep saying premiers and prime ministers because all my friends in, at York have gone on to incredible careers working with previous premiers, ministers, prime ministers, and they tell me the exact same thing. When you're in those meetings, good leaders will call you out on your language. They will. They'll be like, Christopher, you said this in the briefing note. Now you're saying something else. 
Why? Why are you now changing your language? You will be surprised how good leaders fixate on language. And your words will matter more and more. And the more people you surround yourselves and the more bigger circles that you become part of, people will look to you and look to the words that you're using. And this is, what, this is why meetings are so intense, because your brain is not used to thinking that sharply for that long period of time. It's used to making patterns. So Open Minds Podcast is about breaking down those patterns in our brains and looking at things, trying to look at them objectively, but also challenging ourselves in how we think. A few weeks ago, I did a, I did a podcast with Dr. Ken Zucker on gender dysphoria, and we had an honest conversation. And Dr. Zucker was once a leading expert on gender dysphoria in Canada, and his research showed linkages between autism spectrum disorder and those with gender dysphoria. We talked about that, and I couldn't believe the blowback online when you start talking about that. And I realized when the blowback starts happening, that's when we're butting up to those patterns that we've created in our brains, that we're butting up to the patterns that we're used to talking about. But when new research and new ideas start coming forward, our brains are really hard to break that pattern and look at things through a different light. So as you continue your academic careers, your personal and professional lives, and you enter the professional world, I want to leave you with those three things. And tonight, when you break out into your groups, emotional intelligence is going to be really important, active listening, and precision in words. And it's not going to happen overnight, and I totally get that. And it's not going to happen over four years. It's going to happen over your lifetime. Things are going to happen in your life. People are going to say things. People close to you are going to say words in their tone. I'm sure I could see some head nodding. Like, there's people in your lives that you know when they say things, you just look at them totally differently and you blow them off. At least I do. I just shut down. Um, I'm like, I need to go to bed because I can't talk about this. That's when you know that you're trying to break the patterns inside your mind continually break those patterns. You'll be so much better for it. You'll be a better public policy professional for it. You'll be a better human being for it, right? Our emotions can be blinding, but there are ways we can train our brain to be more cognitively aware of our surroundings and these topics. I'm so excited to be here at Left Meets Right because this topic, Left Meets Right, is exactly that. You might be on the left or the right or somewhere in the middle, and that's fine. But tonight is about breaking down your own political or personal opinions on things and seeing what actually triggers you, triggers you, and how can you move past that? Because once you move past that, we can all benefit from a public policy that's more informed, that's more emotionally intelligent, more precise with its words, and more a reflection of more active listening. So I hope you enjoy the evening. I think I'm over time. Uh, we're good. Okay. Uh, and I'll just leave it at that. Open it up for questions.